Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Hi, my name is Tyler Fornis, and I am the co-host of The Good, The Bad, and The Hunky here on the Voice Wrestling Podcasting Network. Every week, my co-host Fred Moreland and I discuss all the happenings of all elite wrestling and everything going on in the universe of Tony Khan. We talk about Dynamite, we talk about Rampage, and we will talk about Collision when the time comes as well, along with all the appearances outside of AEW from all the best talents in all elite wrestling. This is one of the more cohesive wrestling companies in the entire world, and we discuss every intricacy about it, including the unique booking of Tony Khan that is both a huge positive and a major detriment. Check us out every single Thursday here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling Podcasting Network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. To the highway, in a brand new day, gotta let it go. So December 20th, 2022. We are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network feed or our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at OpenVoiceGate. If you'd like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to our redcircle.com landing site. You click the red box that says sponsor this podcast and you can set up a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever. I'm one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Mike Spears, joined alongside, as always, my friend and co-host, Case Lowe. In Case, we both are up against it tonight. Yeah, look, nothing says happy holidays like hitting that red circle donation button for your number one podcast for the number two Japanese promotion. Mike and I were briefly discussing before we started recording that the, the holiday season takes no prisoners, and you and I are both feeling it right now. Yeah, so one of the things that I've been doing over the last few months is one of my favorite radio personalities returned to the air in Dallas-Fort Worth, and I have been listening to his drive-time show pretty religiously, Case, and he has a good phrase. It's not just about getting to Christmas, it's about clearing Christmas. Yeah. And uh, it's a thing. Dude, I so I am leaving town tomorrow morning. I am getting up at 4 o'clock in the morning, getting in the car, driving down to the Southern Compound, but... Right as I woke up this morning, my door broke. Like your front door? My back door. Okay, my all back right. Door. So still, still not good. Still not good. So 
I'm leaving town tomorrow. And the, the thing is, is that it was a situation where the door is would like wedge shut and then not open. So it, it, it was the best of this case of scenarios. You much rather have a door that cannot open than a door that can't stay shut. Right. Especially like back door, front door. Right. Yeah. So I had to call up, pull up a, get a handyman because I'm handy, but like doors, I, I, I'm not, uh, I, I, I am uh, no, that, that's a, that's a blue collar job. You, you work in video editing, fixing a door is a blue collar job. There's no shame in that. I am very handy. I'll let you say, because I paid for a handyman, look at it. And he said, well, I managed to make sure that it didn't stick anymore, but your knob is busted, man. Uh, so, so, so I went and had all that happen to be before 8 a.m. But you said, like, I, I do. I, I only do like the fancy stuff. Like I don't get my hands dirty. I, I then went out and bought a doorknob and installed a new doorknob. So there you go. I, but it was one of those things I was like, I just really, really like, of course you're going to tell me this at this. Like that is the holiday I'm having this year. So who who's to say what will happen to me on my drive? Yeah, mine's not much better uh, as, as uh, the Midwest and Chicago specifically prepares for what should be pretty terrible weather. Later this week, it uh, drastically threw a wrench in my holiday plans. I'm not super stoked about it. But nevertheless, we have two shows to talk about and one show to preview because we have hit the end of the year in Dragon Gate. And uh, it's it's been a very exciting time, in my opinion. Yeah, that's right. It's uh, So Dragon Gate's uh, 2022 will conclude on the 27th. This week is basically the last regular season Open the Voice Gate of the Year, in a way. But we've got two big shows to talk about, the final Corkin of the month, and for 2022, from the 16th, and then also, they went up to Sendai, and when they're up in Sendai, it's time for Gate of Origin, and we'll try to make sense of, of Gate of Origin, but first off case, uh, uh, the Corkin uh, Hall show that we had on the 16th, it was a, a headline by KZ and Shun Skywalker, you had a challenge match, and then you also, further down the card, a lot of just like interesting stuff happening right now in the promotion 1180 for attendance so they did two shows and 2400 seats so pretty strong month for dragon gate in tokyo what were your big takeaways from the show well i was going to talk about that attendance for a second so uh, the december 6th cork show with mochizuki versus yoshioka as the headliner that did 1206 and then like you said this show on december 16th 10 days later with the kz versus shun main event did 1180 so What's what's that, a 26 fan difference or so? I, I found the number on the 6th, that Dreamgate show, that was right in the ballpark of where I was expecting. If they, if they wouldn't have hit 1,100, I would have been concerned. If they would have hit 1,300, I would have considered that to be a grand slam. 1,200 is right in the ballpark of where they should have been. Obviously, we've seen, uh, with the exception of the the Kness retirement show this year, which did uh, a complete sellout, 1450, one of the biggest attendances in Cork and Hall of the year, we've seen gradual growth throughout Cork and Hall this year in Drangate. And 1180 is, uh, I, I believe, again, with the exception of that K- uh, Kness show and with the exception of the Dreamgate show, uh, the most attended Drangate Cork and Hall show of the year. And you look at those last two matches, it's it's Benkei and it's Yo and it's Yoshioka and it's Skywalker, the guys of the class of 2016. It's Casey, who, you know, obviously debuted 10 years before that, but you could make an argument wasn't a relevant wrestler in, in any sort of box office capacity until 2015. And then you have Minorita, who was class of 2021. I, I have a lot of positive things to say about Minorita, as I have for, had for months now on this episode. 
it, it is just a, another tip of the cap to Yuki Yoshioka to this roster as a whole, but I really think Yoshioka, uh, they have steered the course in such an impressive way. They have righted the wrongs that were made earlier this year, earlier this summer. Attendance has only gone up with Yoshioka. It has gone up in every market. It has gone up drastically in some cases. He, as the Dreamgate champion, has been a box office success. And and by the time we talk next week, he might not be Dreamgate champion. We will see. I I, I think there's an interesting discussion to be had there. But nevertheless, uh, a continued box office success in the COVID, post-COVID, mangled, depleted industry that it is, Drangate continues to chug along, not only in Tokyo, but in really all of their key markets. Yeah, and... I was anticipating for this second corking case, I was anticipating a pretty big slide because when you take away the last few years, the second corking of December has always been known as like the Doi Darts cork and it's always like the fan appreciation show, but they've already done that. And this was just on the backs, as you were saying, class of 2016 and the new generation at the forefront. And it, it, it was something that case actually I had a question I was going to ask you. If it wasn't for us like bringing it up, would you have gone through this? month without remembering that there should have been a doid arts mat oh you know i'm almost on the the flip side of it to where look if they if doi brought out the doid arts wheel i think that's awesome i'd be for it i'd celebrate it i'd be happy about it it's not needed in terms of storytelling or depth anymore i mean it really does feel like a product of a bygone era and you would you would probably know better than me i mean is the last time they did it 2019 yeah, it would have been 2019 because they definitely didn't do it in 2020, and the last year they didn't do it as well. I think it's 2019, so it, it's and, getting to— And even then, I you know, sorry to cut you off there, but I, I also—we've never heard one way or another. It could just be a thing where they don't—they're either they don't want to or are not allowed to have kids come into the ring still. That That is— uh, That's I, I think a good we, point. We, we sometimes—yeah, we sometimes forget that, that— Again, the the COVID restrictions are just far more intense uh, there than they are anywhere else. Let me look at this. December 18th. Yeah, okay. December 18th, 2019 was the last uh, Doi darts to our knowledge. That was the Ben K versus Strong Machine J 20-minute time limit draw disaster. And then the Doi darts match for that year was Ata, Kota Minora, and KZ defeating Benkei, Hyo, and Kagatora, Gamma, Genki, Horiguchi, and Yamato, and Don Fuji, Konamami, Chikawa, and Yosuke, Santa Maria. I forgot they did a four-way for that last one. Yeah, I don't remember that at all. Yeah, and that's and probably... I think, I think Lenny Leonard's on commentary for that show. Uh, you know, that that really puts us in a place in time, you know? Uh, because that was, that was the one tour that was Lenny, Larry, and Jay... Because they were all at Final Gate together, and it's crazy. I mean, that's the that's the last time that there was that three man booth, and I really remember thinking during Final Gate and during Doi versus Ben K specifically, like, wow, Dragon Gate has like a an elite tier commentary booth because Lenny is still arguably the best play by play man in wrestling. Larry Dallas, for all of his faults, and there are many, is, I, I think, a very strong color commentator. And, and Jay was playing the role of that Mike Tanay of just spinning out hard facts and information throughout that entire show. And it really seemed like that was something in 2020 that was going to take shape and become a prominent feature of this promotion. And then, you know, obviously, Larry came back in early 2020, and then 
Larry Dallas was stuck in the dojo for the first three months of COVID. I don't think he got home until June or July of 2020, <laughs> um, which is, uh, I, I don't trust Larry Dallas enough to show up for a podcast appearance, but if we could ever book him, that would be what I'd like to talk to him about. <laughs> just just, just uh, Superstorm Standy and dealing with yeah, the, the, yeah. His, the relationships he formed during superstorm sandy you're exactly right and then the relationships that he strengthened during his time in the covid ridden drangate dojo in 2020 yeah no like that that would be fascinating but it, it just like overall like watching this show it just like i know it's become a trend for us this was a cork and i actually thought it was more on the higher end work rate wise in comparison to most of the ones from 2022 but i just it was just something that was so remarkable to me that like I took a step back during the main event. I was like, no doy darts. This feels fine. And that was something I really wanted to ask you about. So uh, any other uh, huge I, takeaways? I was, yeah, a big picture. You know, I think I'm lower on this Cork and Hall show than most people. And I think I'm higher on Gate of Origin than most people now. I don't know if anybody cares, but if they do, I, I apologize. As of the time you're listening to this, there is not a Gate of Origin written review up on, on VoicesOfWrestling.com. I'm working on it. To go back to 10 minutes ago, talking about the hellacious holiday schedule that both Mike and I have put ourselves into, it's almost done. I literally have just not had the chance to sit down and write about the last two matches. It's coming. It'll be there at some point. Apologies for the delay, if that is something people care about. But I have full thoughts that I will gladly give on this podcast. I mean, you needed to have an emotional break after Ninja Mac won that match. So We'll be talking about it. Yeah, we will be talking about that in a bit. Uh, leading off the show in Cork, and uh, this will be up on the network until the 23rd, uh, you had a eight-man tag, the entire M3K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, Azushi Kanda, Mochizuki Jr. versus Don Fuji and the kids. It's almost like, a, with all the talk about Yoshio Yoshioka, it's almost like we're getting a revival of Fujihei over here as Don Fuji teamed with Ryu Fuda, Kaito Nagano, and Yoshiki Kato. It was Yazushi Kondo winning with the Geku Judo elbow drop on Ryu Fuda. I, I think this was a winning combination. I, I thought this was a lot of fun. I think anything with Mochizuki Jr. right now, the, the situations that they're putting him in are either against his peers in Nagano and Kato, or it's against Ishin and Strong Machine J, his generational rivals in terms of being second-generation wrestlers. And I, I think both of those dynamics have been super interesting to explore. This was a hot opener. I mean, this was kind of everything that you would hope for. I think from the, the guys that mattered, you know, Mochizuki, Juju, uh, Mochizuki Jr., Nagano, Fuda, and Kato, I felt their presence in this match. I thought they all looked very good. I mean, I, I have extended thoughts on Fuda later, but this was a strong opener. This is kind of what you want from a veterans versus rookies uh, combination hodgepodge, eh, man? Yeah, no. And I mean, like, the core of the match was going to be Mochizuki Jr. versus his classmates. So, like, that was the focus of the match, other than Don Fuji losing his mind. Don really hates his best friend as a kid. They, like, that, that, that is going to be a fun thing to explore. Like, they, they really ought to go deep on that whenever whenever junior that they he's done with all the rookie stuff they need to have a don fuji feud with mochizuki jr but yeah this was this was a blast it was it did exactly what i needed doing the openers one of the more hot openers i feel like in the recent month well it's it's that that nagato charm i mean he was in the opener on the the december 6th show and it was outstanding and it was kind of one of those deals where i think if more eyeballs were on that show if more people paid attention they'd that he 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 deserves a bigger name than he has, which is crazy to say for a guy who's been wrestling professionally for four months now. But 
they've they found gold in him. I mean, it's it's stupid to say, given again the thirteen trainees that have debuted since the start of the pandemic, and there's a uh, if you follow Open Voicegate on on Twitter. There's a 14th kid coming, a, a new rookie that is working exhibition matches on house shows now. It's it's absurd, but you know, in the same way that SB Kento connected, and now it looks like Kakuta's connecting, and obviously Fujiwara connected, and Mochizuki Jr. connected. I, you you've got to start throwing Nagano on that list. I mean, at least in our bubble, which is you know the 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 people that speak our language that follow us on Twitter that are in the Voices Wrestling Discord. The primary talk i don't want to say the primary but a consistent theme coming out of these cork and hall shows over the last few months is did you see what nagano did did you see that spot did you see what he did this time i mean that's remarkable for somebody uh, of anybody to have it for a few months stretch like this but especially for somebody of his experience level yeah and especially since it's such a different way than what takuma fujiwara we were experiencing earlier this year it's just it's cool to see like everyone go like oh space world that's insane like each time and you know that's something that like Nagano only has to do a couple things to get the crowd on his side every time, and it's something that I was worried that it, that he was not going to have that connection because with his size, it, it was going to be paramount. But boy, given that he is three months in and how crisp he is, you, you would think maybe not as much as Takuma Fujiwara, but this is a guy who has been thinking about wrestling almost all of his life, you could tell. Yeah, n- not on the level of Fujiwara at least yet, but somebody who is obviously... Given when he debuted, uh, I at least I'm going to count him as a rookie in 2023, and he is the clear front runner. And it, it is going to take some effort by the rest of the wrestling world to pass him by for rookie of the year 2023, which is absurd to talk about already. But he's just been that good, and he came into the fold in late August, and so I'm going to vote for him next year. It, he's he's very very impressive. Yeah, it's going to be fun to see him progress throughout the remainder of his rookie year. Match two was a special singles match. It was Kota Minoru versus Kota Maui Ichikawa. Kota Minoru won with the Bombero elbow smash. But Case, what do you feel about the Golden Carnation Kota Maui Ichikawa? Phenomenal. I, you know, Alan Forrell made the point in the Voices of Wrestling Discord for the struggles that Kota Minoru has gone through this year. The perfect thing to do was to book him in a personality-driven match against Ichikawa. And, and this was exactly it. I mean, everybody from myself to Jay to Mochizuki Jr. on English commentary absolutely lost their minds for this match. This was a ton of fun. It, it goes to show the magic of Ichikawa. And I really liked what Jay had to say at the end of the match, which, you know, given the views that Jay shared the last time he was on the show about Minoru and how he, you know, he's been a, a pretty harsh critic of him, he, he made the point of, you know, if you can't have a match with Konamami Chikawa, you can't wrestle in Dragon Gate. And in my opinion, Minora passed the test. Oh, absolutely. Like the match was three minutes. The overall segment was 10. But I mean, it just had me cracking up. And it was good to see Minora able to play along with that much of uh, that much. I mean, because you have to get to a certain wavelength to do a soccer Chikawa match, I would say. Um, match three was Jason Lee and Jackie Funky Kame of Natural Vibes, along with Hoho Loon not the Kobe Kung Fu Masters, versus Ultimo Dragon, Eita, and Kenichiro Rai. JFK got the pin with a Jackie knife when Arakan was arguing with Yagi. Obviously, the positioning here, the names involved, it leads us to the the touch football match of the night that we often talk about so often, that two and three quarter star Ultimo Dragon match that I've gotten so accustomed to writing about. This was a hair better than the average 
you know, dad's type six man tag on these shows, though. I, I thought the stuff with Arkin and the Vibes guys and then Ata and Ultimo together, I thought those two combinations were a lot of fun in this match. Yeah, they provided a little bit of spice that was kind of needed. And, you know, Kenichiro Rai, you know, he was popping up like every month for a while, but it feels like more and more that his appearances are becoming less and less. So it was nice to see how well he could work out with the Vibes guys, and hopefully that means that we can get my main man back around more often. Let me see real quick. I'm curious now how many Dragon Gate matches he's worked this year. Tenru Project is, uh, at this point, his home promotion, but he worked... So he worked one of the two January Corkin shows. He worked the Mar- March Corkin show, the two Aprils, the May, the June, the two Junes, the July. So he's he's in Corkin every month, and then he did Kobe World and then Dangerous Gate, which is a Tokyo uh, based uh, pay per view. So yeah, d- delighted that he's uh, w- whenever he shows up, I'm delighted to see him. I don't know if we're going to use the light to describe this next match, but it was Yamato versus Punch Sumanaga. Punch Sumanaga wearing Shingo Takagi's Dragon Gate singlet, Berserk Edition, for those who are interested. Yamato just choked him out in four minutes. I, I was delighted by this. Oh, I, it was I funny. absolutely died at Punch coming out of the singlet and Don Fuji rooting him on from the Japanese commentary table in the balcony. Yeah, no, it, it, this was something where they, they they tried to make sure that they could have Don Fuji in frame as much as possible. But Gaura, you need to get TriCaster. We need to get picture in picture on this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this was this was a lot of fun. I, I love the way it was set up with Punch feeling, you know, he he wrestled what he wrestled Kakuta last week and then he wrestled uh, Yamato on this show because he, he wants to be involved in the Shingo match and he's not. And it's it's been great fun. They, they've done a. A good job of adding some depth to the Shingo match without Shingo being around. Yeah, that part of that has been nice because Dragon Gate's the one fan base. So like, oh yeah, no, of course, Punch Tomonaga is mad at the, that the guy who beat him up for a decade is not having him in his match. Like, of course that happens here. And n- notable Punch got pants afterwards. Uh, yeah, uh, probably best for everyone that that we're getting these two singles matches and we're not getting the third of Hulk. Oh, God, no, that, that'd be bad. That'd be very, uh, very bad. <laughs> I just, like, ugh, no. That, well, as soon as I thought about, like, okay, he's done Kakuda, he's done uh, he's done Yamato. I was like, oh, God, he's not going to face Hulk. Thank God there's no TV until then. Th- those are just two guys. It's a little bit like when the Jaguars play the Packers in the NFL, and you're like, why are these two teams shouldn't play one another? Like, what's going on here? Punch versus Hulk is one of those singles matches that just wouldn't look right in actuality. Oh God! It, and it's like, and it's one of the ones that does not look good in actuality and ends up with someone being concussed. Punch is being concussed. Uh, yes, yes, yeah, not, not not Hulk, but yes. No. no, match five was a six man tag. Uh, yes, this was a six man tag. I was looking at it in my notebook, but this was Natural Vibes versus High End and Friends, as it was Big Boss Shimizu, UT, and Strong Machine J versus. Dragon Kid, Takashi Yoshida, and Problem Dragon. This was previewing the Twin Gate match at Gate of Origin. It was Yoshida getting UT with a Pineapple Bomber in 10 minutes and 29 seconds. Takashi Yoshida is kind of the ultimate territory wrestler. You know, I, I, I don't, I'm assuming you're like me in the sense that, you know, if you sit down and watch Mid-South or Crockett or we, I would say pre-Y2K wrestling, you're likely geared towards not looking for spreadsheet matches for great matches, but rather for for pure entertainment value. And I've hit this immense conundrum with Yoshida over the last year where 
Do I think he's capable of being truly great in matches? More often than times, the answer is no. Am I wildly entertained by him as an underdog babyface doing whatever he can for the approval of Yamato and Dragon Kid? I absolutely am in the same way that I was wildly entertained by him seeking Naruki Doi's approval last year. There is such immense charm to this guy and the role that he has been put in. And even if this match wasn't great by any means, one, I, I really enjoy the chemistry that he has with Shimizu right now. I thought he and Yuti were a lot of fun in this match too. And I just had a good time watching this. Yeah, that that's the thing about High End and Friends right now. Yoshida gives it just enough right now that I'm not just immediately when they're on screen, I have the countdown clock until their disbands match. It is something that it provides life. It it, it has rejuvenated a dead unit. Yeah. It's not too much of Yoshida. And, and again, at no point do I want him busting out some gold and silver tights and becoming a full fledged member. I think what they're doing now is perfect because it's interesting. It could be bad, it's never going to be great, and we found this sweet spot of interesting, and I really like where it sits right now. Yeah, and especially coming out of Gate of Origin, too. I feel like that there is a lot of directions that they can go to with that. Uh, match six was an eight-man tag. Uh, Naruki Doi, Shuji Kondo, uh, Dragon Daya, Madoka Kakuda versus Zebrats, Kai, BB, Hulk, Diamante, and Ishin. Kondo penned... Uh, Kai with a King Kong Lariat in the post-match. There was a Triangle Gate challenge. It was Doi and Kondo. Well, Kondo already went to the back. Doi was like, I want to get another tri another trios belt. And he announced that him and Kondo and Awashi, so the T2P team, will be challenging the Z-Breath champion team at, at Final Gate. What's your preferred wrestling media narrative here? Is it that Naruki Doi is forcing Dragon Gate's hand because he's on the outs with the promotion? Is it Shuji Kondo's push is upsetting the youngsters in the back, or is it Toro Washi is booked and therefore this show is bad? I, I, I the Kondo one is intriguing. I'm go Kondo. I mean, that was the most upset I got at any of Dave's reporting this year. Was oh, there was a last second change with Shuji Kondo going far in the tournament. It's like, well, he pinned Kai. They very clearly set up like a Kai match and. In the opening round, then the, the title match drew a really nice number to Cork and Hall. I I don't think your reporting lines up here, Dave, but ne nevertheless, we're past it. Uh, you know, I, I think it's cool that a T2P team is going to wrestle for the Triangle Gate Championship. I, I get the feeling that might be lost on some people and they're going to complain about it for whatever reason. I think that's an exciting match. Doi, and I wrote this in my review at VoiceWrestling.com. Boy, Doi is just, doesn't he look rejuvenated? Yeah, I think it's something that, you know, how much you want to buy into the whole, uh, I only have so many more matches ahead of me, I want to go full blast with it. He did, I mean, taking off that two-month period before coming back to Gate of Destiny and then basically going insane with DDT and Dragon Gate dates, it, he's making the most of it. I don't know, the way he's looking now puts a little doubt in the uh, retirements and pending thing right now. I got to say, I've got a, a, a 2005 Dragon Gate show on my TV right now, and I just, I'm watching Doi versus Dragon Kid, and Dragon Kid just did a tilt war head scissor off the apron that sent Doi to the floor, and I'm stunned. Just talking about Doi being rejuvenated and then watching that spot 15 seconds later, I can't believe this man moves around as well as he does. Yeah, and I loved this eight man tag case. It was awesome. This, I was, uh, four flat on this it was just a nice number where you had 
eight guys in there, but you did a lot with the eight guys in nine minutes. You had the Triangle Gate stuff, of course. You had uh, Daya and Diamante. You had Kakuda really showing up here. So they accomplished a lot in this. So I adore this. And it, and it was something also that you had Ho-Ho on commentary just like being completely enthralled by Hip Hop Kakuda's ass. Uh, not Hip Hop Kakuda, Madoka Kakuda. That's what he used to be. Because, boy, uh, Kakuda, ever since that match got made, he's laying it in now. Oh, yeah. Uh, no, I there's... There, there's a certain fire that Kakuta, he's really carried himself with since August, but now I think being 10 days away and at this point, you know, five days away as we're recording from the biggest match of his career up to this point, he's feeling it. And I, I even if the promo segment with Shingo did not go the way that you and I would have drawn it up in the ring, has there been a safer bet for great matches since August than Kakuta? No, and it's something that he is such a unique, like physical presence that it's almost like a leg up and finding ways to get me interested in it because he's naturally bigger than everyone else. So it's like an easy thing to build it off of. But he has ever since like first assisting and then joining Deep Courage, it has provided a lot to him, but it does not completely uh, wash over what happened earlier this month. I saw a finalized list of the Fighting Spirit Magazine 50 I don't know when that is going to be published. When it is, I would like to talk about it and the placement of some of the Dragon Gate guys on the show and then kind of compare the big list with my personal top 50. And I will just say now, Kakuta, simply based off the work he did from August through the 1st of December, made it into my top 50 wrestlers of the year. I, I really just thought he was next level good in quarter three and quarter four of this year. And I, I also think it's worth talking about Shuji Kondo for a second because... I mean, think about even on this show for years, you know, you and I in, in DMs and Slack messages for years and years and years going, God, wouldn't it be great if Kondo would come back to Drangate? Doesn't it just feel like there's there's unfinished business there that he can do so much with this current roster, let alone, you know, the enemies that he still might have from Torimon and Drangate? And we saw him come in in the summer of 2020, and I thought he was a ton of fun as as a muscle in the Torimon generation. And then he partially tore his Achilles last year and he went away. And, you know, I, I think you and I both kind of thought, well, there, you know, there's the end of Kondo as, you know, anything worthwhile. It's just hard for a man of his size and his age to get back to a point where he can be somebody truly dominant. But every time he's given an opportunity to be in a big match, Kondo can still deliver. I mean, you think about what he did last year at, at Kobe World, that Triangle Gate match that was Masquerade of uh, Dragon Dia, Jason Lee, and La Estrella versus Kondo, Owashi, and Brother Yashi. He was excellent there. He's been excellent here. So often now he's put in those meaningless, you know, Ultimo tags, those six or eight man tags on the undercard. But he can still go. And I think that's really, really impressive. And when they give him the spotlight, he takes the ball and he runs with it. Yeah, it's just one of those things that I think we both had our image of Kondo is X before Satoshi Kojima was X and then like him and <laughs> yeah. King and Gate I was going to like, oh, Kondo is back. Imagine now Monster Hero Kondo. We had that so much like in our head and that's not what reality was. So I, I enjoy the fact whenever Kondo gets these highlights where he gets to go and just being incredibly mean to people. Like that but is do, one I, do you look at his his two years in Drangate, which, you know, it's been two and a half, let's say two with the injury. Do you look at yeah. that as a disappointment? 
I emotionally a disappointment. Okay. I I think emotionally because I really wanted to like see like Kondo never got that run in Torimon and he wouldn't get it in Dragon Gate and yeah, all Japan and Wrestle One, he whole he held titles and he was a fixture and all did training and all of that, but I wanted to see the Kondo run. And it's just clear that that's not in the cards because this is if Shuji Kondo came back in 2016, we will be talking about we would be talking about his Dreamgate run right now. But in 2020, different promotion, they're on to the next generation. Kondo is a lot of fun when he shows up, and he he's even more fun when they give him something to buy to like sink his teeth into. And I think that that Triangle Gate match at Final Gate will be like the perfect showcase of that. I mean, he's going to like ragdoll Ishin around for 15 minutes. Okay, two two points off that, because I, I think you bring up an interesting point of, you're right, if this was 2016, he would probably be in the mix with, you know, Shingo and Yokosuka and Yamato and all of those guys. But I, I this is this is me, and I, I, I hope this doesn't come across as, as grandstanding or, or being too much of a fanboy by any means, but I like that we cover a promotion in which Shuji Kondo a man of his age, which I, I'm going to quickly look up how Kondo is because how old Kondo is because I really have no idea. Can I, he, I, 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 can I guess? 42. He's 44. He came into the promotion when he was 42 or returned my, to the promotion rather when he was 42. So you're very, very close. My bad it, luck from this weekend continues. <laughs> but isn't it great that we don't, like this promotion's not rallying around Shuji Kondo to revitalize them. I just I like that he's like a fun side piece, but is not anything crucial to the day to day operations of this of this promotion. Like I personally get yeah. to that. I do think two things. One, had he just had a clean finish with Kai in July, I think it would totally alter our perspective of his entire run because that match was so good up until the Menorah bullshit. I mean, I, I don't know where you were. I loved Kai versus Kondo until the finish. It was no book until the finish for me. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree. Um, the other thing that I want to bring up, if you if you've never looked at it, if you're a newer Dragon Gate fan, and you want to know why Shuji Kondo left the promotion when he did, take a look at the booking patterns of 2004 Torimon. Take a look at the booking patterns of 2004 Dragon Gate. There is a definitive shift in the way that Kondo and all of his friends were featured once Ultimo left the promotion, and when they had an out, they took it. You know, sometimes Christmas parties happen. Allegedly, I don't know if I don't know if that story is a shoot or not. I think that the, at this point, I wouldn't be surprised if there were some ruffled feathers. Okay, so allegedly, at least the story at the time in 2005 was Aganisu got fired for dereliction of duty and misbehavior at a gay or a Christmas party. Like that I, was. I, I, do you have that? Do you have that written down? Because the fact that you pulled dereliction of duty, which triggered a memory that that was the exact phrase that was used, that is incredible that you would remember that. Case I can't ride a bicycle, but I remember these things. <laughs> I have no need to ride a bicycle. No need. Come on, we're in 2022. Uh, Look, I mean the the last the last Toriyama match is Shima versus Kondo for the UDG belt, and right. if. If you know, if Ultimo even leaves, let's say Ultimo leaves in October of 2004 instead of July of 2004, we probably get a glimpse of that, you know, quote unquote condo run. And just with timing, it, it, it just never happened, at least within the context of the Dragon system. And it's a shame because, you know, this is this is a guy who 
if a few things go his way, we're talking about somebody who has a totally different career. He's been great, but has ultimately not mattered a ton in the context of 21st century Japanese professional wrestling. Ultimo doesn't leave, or the powers that be in Drangate like him a little bit more, or maybe he just doesn't leave in 2004 and he's there in 2005 when the promotion really starts to find its feel. We're talking about a possibly, you know, a, a, a man changed, a man possessed, a box office mover in a way that he obviously never was. I've really enjoyed his time in the promotion, though, because like I said earlier, when he's given the chance to turn it on, he does, and, and I, I think he still succeeds. And I'm really excited for that Triangle Gate match. Yeah, and not to belabor the Kondo point, if Dragon Gate went in 2020 and put the belt on Kondo, I that's what the rest of Japanese wrestling is doing, trying to flail and find something that could... You, you know, looking for a ship in the in the night, you know, trying to like to just try treading water with that. But it's for the best that Kondo is not in that position because, you know, Kondo will be gone in five years. Yes. Like I don't it, and however, one would hope that Yuki Yoshioka would be, still be around in five years. So the, the decision makes sense in retrospect, but it's something that imagine us telling ourselves in July of 2020. All right, guys, sit down. Let's talk about Suji Kondo. What Suji Kondo you're going to be getting in Dragon Gate? Yeah, no, it's uh, it, it's worked out quite nice. The semi-main event for Corkin was a Dreamgate and Bravegate champions versus Challengers tag team match. So we got a Mochizuki Dojo reunion as Yuki Yoshioka, the Dreamgate champion, teamed with Hyo, the Bravegate champion, versus Gold Classes Binke and Minorita. Look, everyone has their thoughts about Mochizuki Dojo. Obviously, Yuki Yoshioka and Misaki Mochizuki, not really big fans of everyone else in it. So, makes sense that Yuki Yoshioka, partway in the, towards the finish, would just cold clock Hyo, walk out, and then allow the spear by Benkei so that Minorita gets the win. You know, anybody that's listened to the show for a while knows one of one of the few things that I think Drangit routinely misses the mark on is the... Uh, for lack of a better term, the strange bedfellows or the can they coexist tag team matches where tag team partners don't get along. I always point to yeah. you know, at, the end, at the end of April when they were doing Road to Dead or Alive tag matches. I, for whatever reason, I just think those matches more often than not suck. This yeah. match. Oh, go ahead, Mike. Yeah, it, it's something that the Prehouse and Kareem Blaze just in Dragon Gate, weirdly enough, just never work out the way that at least how they do like in Sim LL, you know? Yeah, completely. Uh, for whatever reason, this match I, I thought was laid out brilliantly. I, I mean, this hit every note that I would want it to hit. It made me more excited for the Brave Gate match. It made me more excited for the Dream Gate match. It, it intrigued me on the level of Yoshioka versus Hyo and those generational rivals. It, it intrigued me on, God, Minorita is so fucking good at wrestling. I mean, it's it's crazy, and, I, and I'll make this point when we talk about Fuda in a little bit. Any one of these youngsters, you know, the, these class of 2021 and beyond guys, any one of them could waltz into any other Japanese promotion, I think New Japan included, and people would go, oh, that's a guy. Oh, that's going to be somebody. Oh, who is this kid? What, when can we start pushing him? But they have, realistically, 
eight or nine of those guys in Dragon Gate right now. And Minorita has fallen victim to simply being a peer of Takuma Fujiwara. And so all of the good press that he should have gotten and deserves, quite frankly has gone elsewhere this year but it's it's been talked about in the discord a little bit i want to be sure i mention it here the dueling torture rack spot was just a chef's kiss moment of pro wrestling it's just something that case you're bringing up and i wanted to jump in there but i didn't want to jump in and cut off your point because you're making a great point there it's not just like new japan other promotions get the dojo cast-offs and build their promotions around it's happening at ddt right now That that is ddt yeah so it, it is on this, but this match brilliantly laid out. Like, as you were saying, Hyo just being like, oh, Yoshioka, uh, you do all the work here. I'm not interested in doing this. And just being like an absolute scavenger prick until the, the babyface ace goes, nope, I, I know that we're classmates, but screw you was tremendous. Minorita just gets his ass kicked for 15 minutes, and it's beautiful. It is, I'm wondering if there's anyone who's as, as compelling as a classic babyface as Minorita. My answer to that would be Dragon Die, but Minorita is not far behind. I, I I would say that like Minorita because of the size, you know, maybe a little bit more so. He I, he's just a little guy. Well, you know, I was rereading my my Gate of Origin 2021 review as I was typing up my Gate of Origin 2022 review because obviously I wanted to go back and read what I read about Fuda and read what I read about Fujiwara, and then you know if you remember Minorita when he was going by Takumi Hayakawa, he was kind of an emergency debut. Uh, Kaisuke Yakuda had to pull off of a Fukuoka doubleheader. They put Hayakawa in his place, and so he debuted a little bit before Gate of Origin, but he wrestled BB Hulk on that show, and if you remember the, the first few months of his career, he was wrestling these big singles matches and just getting his ass kicked in a minute or two, and we all thought it was super entertaining, but we weren't really sure how that was going to progress. You know, you and I really, really harped on the fact of like, God, this guy's so small, and he's he's like five one. He's like it's he's smaller than Ray Junior. And you and I really harp on this idea of like he's good, he's talented, he does all these things. But what are we going to do about his size? You know, that is a hurdle that we just don't know if he's going to be able to clear. I'm like, I don't know about you. I never think about his size anymore. He has found a way to carve out a style for him. That is so incredibly impressive. I mean, there are guys that will wrestle their entire careers and will never be able to find that thing that makes them stick out from everybody else. And Minorita has taken what should be a giant handicap and has turned into such a massive positive to where, again, I'm I'm not worried about, oh, God, he's so small. What's he going to do? He, as he's shown this year, he can be in the ring with Dreamgate champions, Twingate champions, whoever it is, and it's not goofy to watch them wrestle. I mean, scrap or die, indeed. You know, it, <laughs> yeah. it, it, it's something that he has found a way. He's found a path in the prom- and really the one promotion in the world that would look at someone at. And I'm going to get his exact height because I want to be, I, I want to be correct and thorough about this. But it, it, it's the only promotion I would argue in the world that would take someone of his size and shape and be like, okay, you're not a mascot. Yes, he is a mascot character, but that is at this point completely beside the point he is 156 centimeters so case in feet and inches he is i believe five foot one he is technically five foot two he's five foot two can you think of a promotion that would be doing this strong of a push and it's something that it's not like he's getting like the goldberg push like it makes no sense for that but have you seen this 
someone that they've given this five foot one and a half inch guy and they've just gone full bore behind him. It has been really cool to see. Look, he very easily could have been Drangate's answer to Marco's stunt and his size could have been used against him and he could have played up the most annoying tropes possible and you know, I could have had matches with sex toys that get him kicked off of national TV and rightfully so. Whatever it is, he, he could have that that could have been his future. And he has excelled so far past that. It is so impressive to watch. Again, he's he's simultaneously coming in at the best and worst time to be a Drangate rookie because there's so much talent here and he's attached himself to Menorah and then has kind of excelled past that to where he is going to be a guy that we have to pay attention to for, for you know, the next decade. But he's doing it alongside Fujiwara and Mochizuki Jr. And, you know, who knows what happens when Nishikawa comes back and there's, you know, there's Kato. And it's just, it's mind-blowing. It is such a fun thing to see. Uh, the main event for this Cork and Hall farewell for 2022 is a singles match. It was set up Earlier this month, KZ versus Shun Skywalker. So I'll walk us through this finish. KZ wins, but this comes with a super CDJ after there is a misfire by BB Hulk with a chair shot. Mr. Nakagawa was massively taken out, and you had the Zebrats interference the way that they've done basically for most Zebrats singles matches, but it goes awry, and KZ wins, and we're starting to get a little bit of dissension in Zebrats. I talked about this in my review. I went uh, on the last three KZ versus Skywalker singles matches. I went four and a half stars, four and three quarter stars, and four and three quarter stars. This, of course, was a massive disappointment at four and a quarter stars. But I mean, in all seriousness, just a, a, a match that felt epic and a match that felt like it was, it, it felt fitting of the spot of being the last match in Cork and Hall this year. It, th there was a certain level of exhaustion in the pacing of this match and just the epicness of it that seemed like it was carrying 12 months of weight behind it. I don't, I don't know if that makes sense or not, but I was so impressed by how big this match felt. Yeah, and it felt this big, but it still left gas in the tank for the big match. Oh, come on. Oh, my God. I mean, again, this is this vibe Zebrat stuff. It's it's I made this argument about a month ago. Of like, I, I kind of wish Drangate would follow a more traditional booking pattern with this feud specifically, because the chemistry between these two units is so good. Like as good as like some of the Zebrats versus gold or uh, Zebrats versus high end stuff was. I don't I don't care. I don't I don't want that. Just Zebrats in natural vibes just wrestle each other on every show for the next six months i'm not going to get sick of it and you know we'll see what happens you know you obviously now have this uh issue between bb hulk and shoot skywalker that's going to be escalated on the first two cork and hall shows of the year you have shoot skywalker still wanting to eliminate natural vibes from existence you have shoot skywalker wanting to eliminate high end from existence and i'm right there behind him there is so much stuff wrapped up in just the existence of shoot skywalker right now it, it is a compliment to him. You know, my point this entire year has been, he's the best wrestler in the world, not named Will Ospreay. And from a, a storyline perspective, from the angles that are attached to him, there are just not many more interesting wrestlers on earth right now. And it's something that it allows someone who is such a natural baby face, like KZ just to play in the space, right? Like it, it, it when you have someone as strong as shooting with Skywalker, who's doing just incredible stuff across the board, 
you're almost a, you kind of have to intentionally mess it up at this point. Like that's the kind of stretch we're talking about shooting Skywalker starting from November, 2020 at this point. I believe I talked about this a few weeks ago, but you know, obviously I'm, I'm doing some year end stuff and I'm, I'm making notes of, you know, who, how good certain wrestlers were this year. And the thing that continues to catch me off guard is the fact that I, after this weekend of shows, have 17 KZ matches at four stars or higher this year. And it's a little like, you know, MVPs and wrestlers of the of the year are narrative-based, and that really annoys some people, but I, I, I think that's the way it should be. Sometimes the story is that it is a guy's year, and maybe there are two or three better players in the league, but it's not their year. This is one of those deals where... I, you know, I have more KZ matches at four stars or higher than any other wrestler in the world this year, but this did not feel like KZ's year. I actually made the argument at one point that Natural Vibes as a unit was so good that KZ had somehow become the least interesting guy in the unit. And yet here he is with multiple high-level singles matches, the best trios match I saw this year, a great twin gate match that we'll talk about in just a minute and plenty of multi-man matches throughout the year that I thought were just brilliant. It's bizarre how that worked out. It's just wild. It's, it's something where like case, you know what my favorite thing to say is you can't tell the story of X without Y and the MVP award is that, you know? Yeah. I I mean, do you look at KZ? If you think about the wrestlers you've enjoyed most this year, is KZ a guy that comes to mind? Like that's the, the shame. Like, I like think about wrestlers that I've like truly like have like stepped stepped up front for me or like as remains top of my mind. And KZ is not there, but he's putting on just like humans work this year. No, and- uh, you know, you, you think about Dai and Yoshioka and Diamante and Fujiwara and Shun and you know, I, I think Orange just go to, you know, Ishin and, and Kamei as well. And all those guys have been awesome. But statistically KZ has been every bit as good, if not a little bit better. It's really something, and it's something that, you know, with, with how they set up this year with KZ, it's, I I don't know if 2023 is KZ time, but it does seem like that this was the reset year that it was needed to be before you go for that, especially with how his 2021 went. You know, I, I, uh, where, where was, oh, I just, I just, I just lost the entire point I was trying to make. Oh, I, what I was going to say was. I'm a little bit concerned about how few eyeballs might be watching Dragon Gate when they do a top rope Canadian destroyer onto a pile of chairs and it doesn't get snitch tagged to Jim Cornette and and people of that ilk. Do we think that KZ knows who Jim Cornette is? I hope not. He, yeah, he does not need that in his life. No, no one does. But that was Corkin. You, you know, oh, you know what I'm looking at real quick. Sorry, we'll, we'll wrap up Corkin here real quick. I think we went longer on that than than we thought we were going to. One singles match between KZ and Yuki Yoshioka, and that was on a Drangate next show. Almost, uh, it was almost six years ago to the day. It was the next show right before Final Gate 2016. One singles match, and really not a lot of interaction between them, period. Obviously, Yoshioka is going through former Dreamgate champions right now, but as we talked about last week, he's running out of Dreamgate champions to wrestle. I mean, it's down to Ben K, who has got a Final Gate shun and bb hulk which i don't think they're going to go down that road he's going to have to get some fresh blood and kz has to be at the top of the list of challengers no absolutely so i i I do have to note that you left out don fuji but for good reason 
it was Don, Don Fuji and Rio Saito, and then like you know Susumu Mochizuki. But we kind of talked about the the yeah. realistic names that are left are Shun and maybe Hulk. Right. Now you're absolutely right about that. Support for Open the Voice Gate this week comes to you comes to us from HelloFresh. With HelloFresh, you get farm fresh pre-portioned ingredients and seasonal recipes delivered right to your doorstep. Skip trips to the grocery store and count on HelloFresh to make home cooking easy, fun, and affordable. Case that's why it's America's number one meal kit. And you know, it's something that we're in the season right now. We we've talked about how we're, we're trying to get through Christmas and we're trying to clear Christmas here on the program. But the great thing about HelloFresh is is you're able to eat better amongst all the holiday temptations i know when i'm going down to the uh, compound i know i'm gonna be eating like an absolute dirt case so i'm happy for hello fresh because their meals have 20 percent fewer calories than takeout so you still have full flavor and without the guilt look mike some of us might be trying to finish this podcast before their dinner partner comes over so we can make chili ginger pork noodles that is what's on the menu tonight from I our was friends looking at that at, oh I my was god uh, look, I, I got a box of it sitting next to me. That is what's on the menu tonight uh, from our friends at HelloFresh. Pork meatloaf parm, saucy pork burrito bowls, barbecue cheddar burgers. These are all things that I enjoy that fill me up and that aren't completely processed nonsense. These are healthier meals that somebody like me who needs all the help I can get needs. Uh, the the uh, my, my girlfriend is desperately concerned about the amount of high fructose corn syrup I consume and the lack of water that I drink. HelloFresh does not solve either of those issues, but it is nice for me to have healthier options when we are together. Absolutely. And if this all sounds great, this is what you need to do. You go to HelloFresh.com slash VOW18 and use code VOW18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. That is HelloFresh.com slash VOW18 and code VOW18 for 18 free meals plus free shipping. HelloFresh, America's number one meal kit. And Case, as we move to Sendai for Gate of Origin, we know that you, you, you're still writing up the review for those who are looking for it. It's coming soon. It's the holidays. Ooh, ooh. Just, I, I'm, I'm going to get to it before the show expires from Dragon Gate Network. Yep. But give me a minute. Yeah, 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 yeah. We're not just trying to get to Christmas here on the program. We're trying to, we're trying to clear Christmas here. But Gate of Origin, you know, Sendai, it's always a weird show, Case. But what were your big takeaways from it? I really liked this show. I, I thought the stuff that wasn't great was quick and painless. There's one match that we'll kind of talk about at length, but I went notebook on the last two matches. I, I mean, I, I just, I thoroughly enjoyed. The, everything that the show offered with the exception of really one finish yeah it, it's something that i i was not two notebook matches but ksi was one notebook two three and three quarter stars and then a three and a half star and a three star and then the touch football match so it, it was a value it, it was a solid show it's just one of those things that gate of origin will always feel weird to me until they like cement it somehow and it's did not come close to that this year you know I guess at this point, it's kind of the Yamato title match show. I mean, that just that seems like the direction that it's headed is whether it's, you know, twin triangle or a, a Dreamgate match. This seems like the show that Yamato is going to get a giant match. And I I'm kind of comfortable with that becoming Gate of Origins vibe because the last three years he's he's been in a main event title match. Yeah, and it's something, of course, we've talked at length about this on the program, that Yamato, he is not from Miyagi, he is not from Sendai, but he's from Awate, which is a part of the overall Tohoku region. So this is very much 
feels like his hometown show in the same way that uh, Dead or Alive is Dragon Kids or SB Kentos or virtually half the roster around Nagoya. And I think the other thing is that given that it's that it's in Awata, it, it or near is it in Awata or near Awata? It is in Miyagi, but okay. it is near Awate. Like I okay, think Awate just, might I, be like the next prefecture over. My 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 Japanese geography is not the strongest, but uh, Takuma Fujiwara is from Iwate as well. We kind of talked about the importance of him last year. This is a, this is a thing that we really harped on during our Gate of Origin review is that Drangate is developing these youngsters from Northeast Japan, which has been starved for wrestling and has, you know, become uh, almost wrestling extinct, really. And I was thinking earlier this week about how big of a star Takuma Fujiwara would be if he was born in Tokyo and not bumfuck Japan somewhere. But... As Yamato's importance continues to subside over the years, it, for now it's the Yamato show. In the future, it could be one of many Takuma Fujiwara highlight reel shows. And it was also technically Ryu Fuda's homecoming show. That's right. As we get into the opener, speaking can we talk, of Ryu, Sorry, can we talk about the attendance real quick? I think it's interesting. Yeah, so attendance was 888 or 882. Yeah, 882 this year with the headlining match being Shimizu and KZ versus Yoshida and Yamato last year and i don't remember what the attendance restrictions were this could be one of those things where even though there were less people in the building they sold a higher percentage of tickets but 787 last year for yamato versus ben k in the main event yeah i have to look at that as like a big dub for that happening and when you look at like sendai and the sendai sun plaza you're basically talking about four or five promotions that run there on a consistent basis it's dragon gate it's noah it's new japan and then it, of course, is Sendai Girls. And then you'll get a stardom as well at the Sun Plaza. Interestingly enough, Michinoku Pro does not has not run the Sendai Sun Plaza since 2018. So we kind of did this with the Nagoya market last week, where I, I kind of went through the building and went show-by-show show attendance here. Let me do that with the Sun Plaza real quick. Just with what Cage Match has listed, there's been... It looks like two Noah shows, two New Japan shows, and then this Drangate show this year. Noah ran here January 16th. They did 633 for Nakajima versus Kitamiya in the main event. And then they ran here in August for an N1 victory show. They did 505 for Kano versus Shiozaki in the main event. New Japan Best of the Super Juniors, they ran here May 18th. They did 936 for a show headlined by Hiromu versus the good Italian boy Francesco and Kira. And then... I did a double take when I saw this number. New Japan ran here four days before Gate of Origin for the Tag League show. They did 2,031 people for the World Tag League Finals with Goto and Yoshihashi versus Aussie Open. Uh, it was the Tag League Finals, but I was still astounded by how high that number was. Yeah, that's insane. Uh, must be a lot of fans of the despicable Dunkzilla up into Hoku. Did you know, I'm looking at this cage match page now, did you know that, let me phrase it this way, do you know the name of the Alex Zane L. Lindemann tag team? Oh, Sauce Hearts. I did not know that until now. <laughs> of course, of course. <laughs> Alex Zane has, is living in his best reality, I just hope he realizes it. The, the best possible case scenario. Oh, absolutely so. So, yeah, no, it's something that, of course, like New Japan's the outlier. Whenever I talk about general Japan business, like either here on Spear Reservations, I like always have to say they operate differently because of how much bigger they are than everyone else. And that's that right there when you're 
more than two and a half times the second highest attendance number recently in that building. Yeah, because the the narrative coming out of Gate of Origin last year was, you know, hey, Dragon Gate's got a pretty healthy business in in northeastern Japan, relatively speaking, and that can still be true when New Japan can still dwarf them in attendance in this region. Right, exactly. So getting onto the show itself, we opened up with Natural Vibes versus uh, hometown hero Ryufuda, Punch Tomonaga, and Problem Dragon. Uh, Ryufuda lost his both his homecoming and technically... It's not technically his anniversary, but spiritually his anniversary match as Jason Lee pinned him with a maximum driver in six minutes and 25 seconds. I understand the impulse to face palm and go, oh, Riafuda, you know, what's what's going on here? I thought he was great in this match. And he was really spirited here. The, the thing with him, he he is incredibly talented. Again, if this was an all Japan kid or a Noah kid. I think people would be losing their minds at the potential he has. It just like it's it's the point I made earlier. He's competing with Minorita and Fujiwara and Mochizuki Jr. and Nagano and all of these guys that have unfortunately just surpassed him in such a short amount of time. But I'm still bullish on the foot on the future of Fuda just for the simple fact that I, I think he has so much raw talent. Oh, yeah. No. And it's something that like ever since he came back from the broken sternum and he was like showing like, yeah, there's a lot of strikers now. But do your strikers use the ropes ever since then? That has been enough for me to have to have a definite interest in Fuda, whereas before I was just kind of like, oh, there's Fuda here. So and, and he's continued. It. It's just something that I feel like it's as you laid it out to be. This is a promotion where you have to be at your best or you're cast by the wayside. And it's something that it's it's a bummer seeing this happen in real time, basically. I, the, the last few months of his efforts, you know, really, I, you know, he was out with a broken sternum for so long, and then he returned at World, and then kind of went away again. I, I have been enthused by what I've seen of him over the last few months. Again, I think there's a ton of talent there. It's just finding that one thing that is going to make him relevant again, because right now he's an irrelevant wrestler. I mean, you look at you know the fact that he's been in the promotion for a year, Yoshiki Kato has been in the promotion for two weeks, and Kato is being protected more than Fuda. And that is a, a very damning sentiment, bizarre, quite frankly, in the world of Japanese wrestling. But that's where we're at. Fuda has to earn back that respect and just that relevance. I don't know how he's going to do that, but I still have stock of his because there is so much talent there. Yeah, it's worth buying at the low for him. I feel like that if it's either in Dragon Gate or elsewhere, he's someone that's going to succeed. It's just circumstances, sadly. Well, and, uh, and, you know, I, I think, uh, you know, Kaisuke Akuda being gone is such a benefit to Fuda as well, because mm -hmm. now instead of having to fight out of that shadow, it, that shadow's just been removed completely. So he can lean into some more kickboxer-like characteristics, and I, I think it's going to going to benefit him instead of hinder him now. Oh, no, absolutely. So uh, I, I think this is probably where we should talk about UT's injury. Yeah, that's a bummer, isn't it? So I noticed, like, I watched Gate of Origin after I proved to be the greatest handyman alive, but it was something that, like, early in the match, you could tell UT was hurting a lot, and he's been wrestling hurt for a while. And it came out today that on a show in Chiba, yes, I think it was yesterday. Yeah, it was yesterday yeah. that during a match, uh, UT further injured his leg and was diagnosed with a torn MCL. Uh, I, 
I kind of think it happened here and he tried to wrestle on it because they there was a weird edit at the end immediately right into Stalker's entrance and he was not moving around great. Okay, I'm glad you said that because I kind of thought I was just not paying attention and then Stalker just all of, out of nowhere appeared, but there there was an edit point in the replay network feed. Yeah, it's I, I don't know. Like, did you catch this live? No, I did not. Yeah, uh, if anyone caught this live and no, knew what happened there, I did not see anything And it when it happened, and I've not seen anything since there. It just was kind of notable because we went straight into Stalker Chikawa versus Ata. Ata basically bum-rushed him and then had Stalker run the ropes for four minutes. Stalker passed out. Ata won by uh, passing out, I guess is what you would call it. Referee's uh, decision? Uh, referee's stoppage. Yeah I, yeah, I mean, referee's stoppage. Yeah, that's true. What a fun match. Uh, I mean, just, you know, it, it's it's not going to make uh, Ata's greatest hits tape, but goddamn did I enjoy this. This was a blast. It, it's always fun. I think one of the magic, one of the things that's magical about Sakura Takawa is he does exist in one of his own, in his own like little universe, and he makes people play with him in his play space. And Ata had to play with him, and and I, I did not think of, I've never thought about the idea of someone gassing out, running the ropes, and passing out as a finish before. No, that's that's the amazing thing about Ishikawa's. We've seen him for almost 25 years now, and he's still coming up with new ways to entertain us. It's so great. It's so great. Uh, match three was the original M2K, Masaki Mochizuki, Susumu Mochizuki, and Azushi Kanda versus Ultimo Dragon, Don Fuji, and special guest Gaina. And it was Ultimo Dragon penning Kanda with the Lob Mighty Straw. Should I be annoyed that Ultimo pinned Kanda here, uh, an unaffiliated veterans team pinning him 3K? I mean, a little, but I mean, Kanda is there to take falls. Like, Kanda, like, if you look at M3K matches, it's always Kanda taking the fall. If they lose, and it's not a consequential match. I expected it'd be Ultimo over Kanda when this got announced. It, it didn't sit right with me for whatever reason, not in like a... I wasn't up and arm. Oh, goddamn! Ultimo Dragon ruining my Drangate. But it was, I just I noticed it, and I, huh? Okay, don't don't love that. Just on the sheer notion of it's M3K, and I I think they deserve a certain level of protection that they didn't get here. But I can live with it. I I thought this match was fine. Mochi Fuji was fun. In if Mochi Fuji was very fun in this. Yeah, that's the only takeaway. Mochi Fuji was very fun. In this Gaina is exactly like how Gaina is, except maybe even bigger. And yeah, nine minutes. Touch football. On to the next. Yeah, let's get to the next. Uh, this was a three-way second-generation war where the second-generation wrestlers finally face off case. How long have they been calling for wanting to have all these kids just scrap it out? Uh, ever since Mochizuki Jr. showed up, basically. Yeah, so we got that. It was Strong Machine J versus Mochizuki Jr. versus Ishin. Ishin won with a clutch hold out of nowhere. Real interesting heel work across these two shows between Hio and Ishin. What are your what, what's your overall vibe on all caps Ishin right now? Are you impressed by what he's doing? Oh, he's he's suppl he's supplas a uh, supplanted UT, sorry, a setter there, as my favorite wrestler to watch in Dragon Gate. Really? He is fascinating from the entrance to him unmasking himself, to the way he conducts himself in the ring. This is someone that, like, I, I went on about this before. For everyone who says, like, oh, James Dean, someone that that's the rebel hell cause, 
no, you want to have your youth be dead behind the eyes and just wanting to destroy the world that has wronged them, like Marlon Brando and the Wild Ones, and that's what we get from Ishan. And his wrestling was already great, in my opinion. It's just the the added thing about his heel characterisms that have really put over the top. I can't look away when Ishan's on screen. I don't know if I would say he's my favorite wrestler to watch on the promotion, but I'm with you on all of the praise that you just heaped on him. I, I think it's well-deserved because, yeah, he's, he's enthralling to watch because I still... It, it, it's interesting. It doesn't feel like this character is fully fleshed out and it still feels incredibly interesting, which is kind of rarefied air to be in. Normally, like I, I think about it a lot with, you know, a new Japan wrestler that goes on excursion and when they come back, they get their big gimmick and it doesn't always hit right away. And we sort of go through, well, if they're going to come back at Wrestle Kingdom, you know, that match isn't as good as we want it to be. New beginnings a little bit better by the time they get to new Japan cup and, uh, whatever invasion attack is called now. Okay, now they figured it out. It, it, normally, there, there's those speed bumps there, and they're they're there with Ishin, but not to the prominent degree that I think other wrestlers that have undergone a drastic gimmick change earlier in their career have experienced. I mean, it, it, it seems like it has room to grow, but it's still really good in the way that it's positioned. And I thought this match uh, was really laid out in a clever way where... You have Strong Machine J going after Mochizuki Jr., but you have Ishin going after Strong Machine J. And although there were those moments where it was two guys wrestling and one guy watching, I thought for the most part it was a pretty cohesive three-way match. It was because the one guy walk, watching was Ishin and he was being a vulture. Yes. Which, it, it was fascinating stuff. And you even had like the fact that like Mo, uh, Masaki Mochizuki got involved and was in the finish. Like They basically, junior and senior, butt heads. Ishin wins with a pen. Interestingly enough, uh, the Dragon Gate official uh, social media calls it a clutch hold. Other other sources call it the Henka clutch. Which case, how are you on your sumo? Uh, non-existent. So Henka is a move in sumo wrestling that is very frowned upon. It is seen as very distasteful and like un. It's seen as cowardly. It's basically a way to, it, without like like getting into like the. The dynamics basically you are doing the uh you, you're being a bullfighter and you step out of the way of the bull gotcha. on the opening charge and you win by them falling over it's seen as very distasteful so it's very fitting that him as a heel would be would have a, a pinning move after a distasteful sumo move based off his dad i love that ishan's going after strong machine jay's mask that that is a recipe for success because that, that's really happened twice this year once in this match which i thought was super entertaining and then the Triangle Gate match that I will continue to reference as one of my single favorite matches of the year that Ata, Kotaro, Suzuki, and Nozawa wrong guy versus KZ, Strong Machine J, and UT Triangle Gate match in which they all went and bloodied Strong Machine J and tried to rip his mask off. And I just, as the year goes on, you know, I look at, at, at these notebook matches that I have and you know, quite frankly, some of them blend together. I don't remember the details of all of these AEW matches that I loved. I don't remember all the details of, of some of these Dragon Gate matches that I loved. That match I remember, this triple threat match that I went three and a half stars on, I will also remember. I thought there were some very distinct and well put together spots here. Yeah, I was three and three quarters on it. I adored it. This was just really nice stuff. It was cool things to see from the company. Okay, so it's time to talk about the match. What's going on, guys? This is Rich from the Flagship Podcast here on the Voice of Wrestling Podcast Network. And I just want to let you know about a brand new sponsor we have for the network. It's Eufy. And let me tell you a little bit about their newest product, the Eufy Video Smart E3 
30. This isn't your everyday smart lock. This is a smart lock, a 2K camera, and a doorbell offering triple the security and triple the convenience. Instead of loading up your door with a bunch of different devices, you install one, and it takes care of everything in a complete package. It's not just about the home security, though. The Eufy Video Smart Lock E330 is also for convenience. No more worrying about losing keys. You can let each member of your family get a password. You can monitor their movement in and out of the house. You can keep an eye on your packages. You can check in on your house while you're away. There is so much you can do with this product. Best of all, it is easy to install and set up. All you need is a Phillips screwdriver. Leave that drill in the toolbox. The Eufy has keyless entry, a 0.3 second fingerprint recognition, a rechargeable battery with a four month lifespan, two-way audio from the lock, enhanced night vision, 24-7 customer support, and you'll love this, none of those pesky monthly fees. Eufy sent me a Smart Lock 330 and I've loved it so far. It allows me peace of mind when I'm at work or when I'm away on one of my patented vacations. Plus, it helps me keep track of deliveries to the house, saves me a trip back to the car if I just need to run in for something and I forgot my keys, and the two-way audio system works well for those unwanted guests at my front door. No, I do not need new siding or windows or a roof. Thank you, though. You can simply tell them you aren't interested from the comfort of your couch. Now, are you ready to ditch the others and join the Eufy revolution? Of course you are. Get started today by searching Eufy Video Lock on your search engine of choice. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com slash video lock to see how you can finally, once and for all, gain complete control of your door. Once again, that's E-U-F-Y Video Lock ufiofficial.com slash video lock and we thank them for sponsoring the voice wrestling podcast network say goodbye to your credit card rewards greedy corporate mega stores led by walmart and target are pushing for a law in congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets the durbin marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it if you love your credit card rewards tell your lawmakers hands off my rewards tell them to oppose the durbin marshall credit card bill The match. The match. The international dream tag team match as Dragon Kid teamed with pro wrestling Noah's Ninja Mac against the Absolute Boys, Shun Monte, the Sky Diamonds, Shun Skywalker, and Diamante. Ninja Mac won by a count out when they were doing the brawl to the outside, and Ninja Mac did a convoluted flippity do to get back in the ring at the 20 count. I don't know. I, I Yeah. I, you know. We've we've all got our things we like and dislike. I I I think you and I are on the low end of this. I, I just it, it comes down to the fact that in the same way that I think Fuda could go and succeed anywhere else in the world, uh, he, you know he's almost behind the eight ball in Dragon Gate. I just don't think Ninja Mac is on the level of anybody on the roster. I mean, the the I I, I yeah. don't want this to come across as offensive, but who do you think is a better overall high flyer, Kaito Nagano or Ninja Mac? Well, seeing that they let Kaito Nagano wrestle entire matches, whereas Ninja Mac case, it was notable how little they wanted to wrestle with Ninja Mac on this, in this match. Yeah, the, the, it, Ninja Mac reeks of wrestle jam, doesn't he? Yeah, and it, it's something that well, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, careful about because I don't want to sound like I just I'm outright just burying it. Case, when was the last time you've seen the Super Frankensteiner messed up in any fashion? 
Uh, None that stick out in my mind. So Ninja Mac almost completely just did not, was not there, I guess. We did not know what was happening when this is a move that Dragon Kid's done for 20 years. And if you study uh, Torimon Dragon System whatsoever, you will see this move many times. And it was something where it looked like Dragon, that, that Shun Skywalker was about to fall off uh, Ninja Mac's shoulders onto the floor. It was scary. You know, I, I think, and it's not, it's not my cup of tea just because Ninja Mac does high flying. That is not really my cup of tea, but... Look, he's he's got a steady job in Noah. They seem to respect him there. And clearly he caught the interest of Drangate in some way, shape, or form. I just don't think he's up to the standard of of wrestler that Drangate offers. And that, you know, that that is an insult, but it's also not. I mean, he he's dealing with Shun and Diamante, who I think are two of the 15 best wrestlers in the world, and Dragon Kid, who is still as good as ever. He he just One happened to get ten high flyers ever. Oh, of course. He he just yeah. you know Ninja Mac got a little exposed in this match, and that's kind of what I was expecting. I I will say, Mike, I did warn you. I said, look, Ninja Mac's not coming here to take this fall, and they're not going to oh, pin yeah. Dragon Kid, and I don't think they're pinning Shun, and I'm worried that they're going to pin Diamante. I would rather have this finish than him pinning Diamante, but this finish was still the drizzling shits. Yeah, it just the the finish made this entire exercise a waste of time. Like, I would, I think I would have rather them do a double count out. Yeah, double count out, no contest, just completely throw the match out instead of having something that felt completely undeserved. Uh, yeah, it's it's it was something that uh, Diamante and Mac had a good section. It was something that was like, oh yeah, Diamante, of course, and then. You know, the rest of the match happened. I really don't. It, it's hard for me to find more things to say about this match other than that finish was awful. I, I think I think the people that enjoy Ninja Mac are going to enjoy this match. I came in not being a super big fan. And so seeing him be less than perfect with Diamante, I, you know, I start to poke holes in him at that point. Oh, yeah, not, not a not a Drangi Jr. Go go have fun in Noah. And, and so I think it's just a matter of if you're, a Ninja Mac fan coming in, I think you're going to enjoy this. If you're not a Ninja Mac fan, this is not the match that's going to win you over. Yeah, and to be fair to Mac, uh, when you're in the ring with those three guys, I mean, Diamante has wrestled these three guys 200 times a year since 2020. Shun Skywalker has faced Dragon Kid incessantly since he debuted in 2016. It was something that there he was always going to stick out. It just was going to be something of how well could they hide it, and it just didn't hide it. I will say the handspring dive that he does to the floor is spectacular. Oh, yeah. oh, it, no. it, it gets me every time. I'm like, ah, damn, that's really cool. Oh, incredibly talented at what he does. Incredibly talented at what he does. Like, don't get me wrong about that. But I just stuck out. But I case... wonder. I, I wonder. Oh, go ahead. Like, what? What is? What is his best case scenario? Is he like a somebody that Ring of Honor? should feature prominently because I, I you know again look he's got a steady job and noah noah seems to respect him ninja mac noah superstar is just not it doesn't resonate in my mind it seems like there has to be an a, a path for him given his skill set that it, there should just be something better for him don't you think yeah like i was actually kind of surprised he didn't catch on triple a yeah, that's that's a that seems like a perfect spot for him. Yeah, 
Yeah, because like as you say, yeah, him and Noah, it it, it works, but does it, but it's not working naturally. It feels. No, it's look. It, it's there's Noah shows, and then Dante Leone and Ninja Mac show up, and and it's jarring on a number of levels. But it it just. You know, you can't put him in AEW because you don't, in the same way that, you know, he kind of gets exposed with Shun and Diamante, you know, he'd get exposed with Phoenix and I think even like a Dante Martin at this point, quite frankly. But I wonder if you just put him in a ring of honor or, if, you know, I, I don't really wish impact on anybody, but if you put him in impact, if, if that's the answer, it, it seems like there's a place where you can really... It, maximize his talent you know almost like a, a 911 in ecw where if you just do if, if you just limit him as much as possible you actually maximize him if, i, I want to sit down and think about that because noah's not the answer triple a does seem like the answer but if he flamed out there then then it's obviously not i i just he's such an interesting wrestler there has to be something better for him out there yeah, and I hope he finds it, you know? Yeah, obviously, completely. Obviously very talented. It's just, it's a weird wrestling world right now. And some things don't work the way that you would think they would. The semi-main event case, there are three words in the English language that I that whenever I hear, I feel love. I feel full. I feel complete. And those three words are Captain's Fall Elimination. <laughs> Three-way trios match here. So before the opener, they did the drawing. Daya, Minora, and Hio are the captains. For those who don't know what a captain's fall match is, one person on each team is the captain. You can win basically two ways. You get a fall over the captain, or you eliminate everyone else on the other team, leaving the captain standing. So for those who didn't know, that's the style of match we had here. It was Minorita, the sole survivor of, of Gold Class, getting the pen with the Minorita roll. That's what he's calling the Yoshi Tonic on Hio, building up that Brave Gate match. I think this is a gimmick match that should be utilized in every promotion. I mean, I think it's crazy. Yes. That more, <laughs> I think it's crazy yes. That, yes. That, more, that more promotions don't do captains fall matches. And especially this one, when they, when they utilize the over the top rope elimination stuff, like the way this match was laid out, I just, I just thought it was all brilliant. I, I really, really liked this. It's just something that you get to have more, more toys to play with. And you're allowed to think a little bit differently with a Captain's Fall match. And, and not in a way where, like, War Games match. I, I'm with Aaron Bentley. Uh, War Games, there's a formula, and you can only fail the formula. Captain's Fall is kind of like, this is your new playpen. Go have fun. And, I mean, they found a great way to build up Binkei and Yuki Yoshioka with this, with the way they got eliminated in it. It yeah, it, the, the, it was interesting. It, I don't feel like I've seen that from a, a Dragon Gate tag in quite some time, where they really carved out a portion for those guys to trade forearms and for the focus to really be, okay, this is the big title match coming up and they do that. And then they end up on the apron and Kai takes them both out. And you know, that's how they're eliminated, which not only protects them, but it makes Kai look great. Uh, so I, I really like that aspect of it. I thought, I thought Kakuta, this is, this is why I talked about Kakuta being a top 50 wrestler in the world this year, even with a limited profile. Madoka Kakuta was so fucking good in this match. It was unbelievable. He came off like an absolute monster throughout it. And it was something that when you have that over-the-top rope uh, just rule here, you get to have things like Binkei, 30 seconds within the match, trying to suplex Dragon Die over the top rope to the floor to eliminate him. Just crazy stuff. 
and it's just and the last stretch when everyone was ganging up on Minora or Minorita because he was the only person standing on his team. That's like the the goal that we always talk about when we talk about a spans match. We got a little bit of that here, so why not do Captain's Fall Elimination through a trios matches everywhere? I went four and a quarter on this. I'm going four. Yeah, I've talked myself into it. I was at three and three quarters as of watching, but I it's sticking with me in a way that I should have gone four. I am now four on it. Yeah, uh, this was this was excellent. I, I this is. If you have not seen this, these last two matches, I think, are... Th- th- these last two matches and then that Ishin Mochi Jr. Strong Machine J three-way, I think, are well worth your time. And if you like the absurd, just start and watch that uh, international tag team match. You, you, can, know, just do, you start... can do that if you wish. I, I mean, some of us like the darker stuff. <laughs> the dark arts? <laughs> the dark arts. I mean, hey, the first thing I did with my, uh, my Steam Deck was, oh, I can emulate on this thing. Let's see if I can get Bubsy going. That, that was all went, that, that, uh, Mike, I gotta be honest, that all went above my head. Yeah, well, this didn't go above your head. The main event opened the Twin Gate Championship match. It was the champion team of KZ and Big Boss Shimizu of Natural Vibes versus Yamakong reuniting with the mask as Yamato teamed up with Takashi Yoshida, the high-end assistant. Shimizu put Yoshida out with a shot put slam in 22 minutes and 21 seconds. This was the first successful defense for the Natural Vibes team. Big match, Takashi Yoshida, get into it. Four stars, Mike Spears. Four stars on this main event. Four and a quarter. Really? It was something that I think KZ and Yamato have really touch and go singles chemistry, but I was really liking how they weaved like their portions in there with the big boys. Like This was just like this, and then you, you came down, and it was just Shimizu and Yoshida throwing bombs. Like What's there not to love about this? No, look, I, I, I'm with you. I I really like the way this match was laid out because you're exactly right. It was r- pretty easily segmented into two different matches. It was Yamato versus KZ and it was Shimizu versus Yoshida. And, you know, over time, I, I, th- there's been errors of this promotion where Shimizu versus Yoshida would be a turn off rather than a turn on. But the build of this match has been outstanding and their chemistry has been really strong and it, it continued into this match I thought this was great. I thought this was really, really fun in just a nice way to close out this set of shows. And you know what's like a neat thing about this match, Case? It was the fact that you had Yamakong back and Yamato was getting mad at his uh at his home not hometown, at his I don't know what you call at his neighbors. He was getting mad at the fans for cheering for KZ and Shimizu, so he started working a little bit more heelish as the match went along there, just because he was irritated. I love that. Oh, yeah. I mean, yes, we've unfortunately lived in the most uninteresting Yamato outcomes possible for for, uh, quite some time now. But I I love when he turns up the aggression a little bit like he did here. Yeah, and it was just like if this is the Yamato show having an awesome Yamakong tag team match to finish out the show, like bring us back to New Hazard, bring us back to real Hazard while we're at it. Just fun stuff. Do you think... Big Boss Shimizu is one of the three greatest Dragon Gate tag team wrestlers of all time. So I was actually thinking about like tag t- big tag team wrestlers, like, like bigger guys, right before you said this. So easily number one is Naruki Doi, right? Yeah, so p- possibly the greatest tag team wrestler of all time, period. I mean, if Alex Shelley throws the roses at you, he's someone that, that would know and would know personally about him but after doi then you get into like this tier because i do put doi above everyone else yes. where it's like yama yamato has the teams 
I mean, Hulk has the teams. Like, there's a lot of people that have, like, the multiple teams. I would go Susumu, too. Then we kind of are getting into who, who's your guy there for three. Okay, so so Susumu has Kaneska. He has Ryo Saito. He has Kagatora. Is there a fourth, like, main Susumu partner that I'm not thinking of? Only his earliest is Ushikanda. They were at the tag team. Man, I, you know, I really hadn't thought about Susumu. That's a, that's a good pick for number two. Yeah, but after those two, I think really it is, you can make the argument for Big Boss Shimizu, and I'll be like, yeah, okay, I believe you. You can, actually, the person who I probably would put as three, now that I'm really thinking about it, Ata. So Ata's got T-Hawk, he's got Shimizu. Mm-hmm. Who's, who's the, uh... I, 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 I think that highly of T&E. Yeah, man, that's I. It's been a minute since I've watched Chiyok and Ata matches. So okay, so go and watch Kobe World 2014. Oh, one of my favorites. Yeah. So because like and, and like that match in of itself is kind of an argument there because you have like guys like Akira Tozawa who, if we're talking straight tags, it's him and Hulk and him and Shingo. But you take it out and like, oh yeah, no, there's a lot of times where you like see awesome tags with. uh Tazawa and Ricochet, or Tazawa and Uha Nation, you know? So, like, it, it gets kind of hard to parse, I think, after the Mount Rushmore. So, let me go through a few names here, and this is just off the dome. kind of helped me figure out who their partners were. So, Shima's a name that should be mentioned. He's got Osaka 06 with Gamma, which is a hit-and-miss team, but, you know, to your point about, about Ata. If you if you haven't rewatched or watched period the two Tiok and Ata versus Shima and Gamma matches from 2014, those are some of the best tag team matches I've ever seen. Uh, so he's got the Gamma partnership, he's got the Dragon Kid partnership. Is there a sh- third main line Shima partner that I can't think of? I've got two for you, buddy. Okay. Well, there's the old one that really dropped off, and that was on Fuji, the married team. Yeah, I, then, I, I I wish we had a more prolonged run of those two together. Yeah, and then Spike Mohicans. Oh, okay. Th- yeah. Duh. It might be Shima. Shima might be number three. Yamato has Yamato and Shingo, Yamato and Cyberkong, Yamato and Doi, and Yamato and Hulk. That's a that's a pretty impressive four team run. And that's Yamadoi. Which, yeah, other than Speed Muscle, they're they're as good as it ever got. Yeah, Yamato might... You see, you list out their cases, and I immediately go, yeah, no, they're number three. But Yamato might... Because the four teams right there, and then the longest or the most defending Twin Gate champions of all time. Now, BB Hulk, you've got Hulk and Tozawa. Mm -hmm. You've got Hulk and Shingo. Hulk and Yamato. And Hulk and Kai. Is there... I feel like I might be forgetting another Hulk one. He was a, he was a he was a singles guy in Die yeah. Hearts. He was a singles guy in Poss Hearts. He didn't really. I guess he was teaming with Shingo and New Hazard, but and, not and, Ty, and Typhoon is actually what I was thinking. Oh um, yeah, <laughs> um, true. He doesn't really have a guy on World One, so I think so. The, so again, the Hulk tag teams are Hulk and Shingo, Hulk and Tozawa. Hulk and Yamato, Hulk and Kai. I would comfortably put Yamato ahead of Hulk. 
and I think Shima ahead of Hulk. I think that's would a good you agree five. with that? Yeah, yeah. Just then, because. Go ahead. Just because, like, when you think about like Hulk teams, it really like Hulk and Akira does do a lot of that heavy. Yeah. Now, okay. Let me let me throw. I, I want to talk about Shimizu's case, but let me throw one other guy at you, just because I could I could see it hitting a sweet spot for you specifically. Rio Saito with the Bicycle Brothers, with Saito and Genki, and then with Saito and Susumu. You know what would get him into the top five? What's that? If any of those three other than Muraha, Sapa, and Ryosuka, like if if Bicycle Brothers was like a the third team, but it had a belt and it wasn't a gimmick team, I would see the argument. Yeah, I can't. I can't point to the best Bicycle Brothers match. Well, all of them, first yeah. and foremost. <laughs> but then with Shimizu, and this is why I brought this up. Shimizu has the run with Big T. He's got two reigns uh, as Big Ben with Ben K. He's got the Big E run with Ata. He's got the King Shimizu and Susumu Yokosuka run from last year, which was awesome. And now he's got this KZ run where, again, you know, this was this was a four-star match, and I, I, I thought their match against Hulk and Kai, I, I think I went notebook on that as well. Uh, oh, no, I went three and three quarters on that. So I, th- that's, a, that's a really impressive resume. Yeah, it's something where I think if I, like, you, like, sit down and you, like, look at the teams, you look at the belts, you look like, oh, yeah, no, Shimizu is up there. It's just something that, other than uh, I would say that uh, that uh, maximum Big Ben run, it never felt like like these tag teams were great, and he's a phenomenal tag team wrestler. But like when you compare him to the rest of it, like you have Doi, who has Doyama speed muscle. Just whenever he tags with anyone, it's brilliant. And you don't, and but like those were his things for a while. It always feels like with Shimizu, like yeah, Big Ben, Big T, Big E. Uh, I loved Shimizu and Susumu. That's like, but... I, th- that Shimizu and Susumu reign. Sorry to cut you off, but it's Shimizu and Susumu versus Ashida and Sakamoto. Shimizu and Susumu versus Ben K and Dragon Kid. Shimizu and Susumu versus the Strong Machines, which was Strong Machine J and Strong Machine K, which that wasn't great, but that was still pretty good. And then Shimizu and Susumu versus How and Kano before losing them to Doi and Yoshida at last year's Gate of Origin. Yeah, that's true. I like that. Kano and Howell match a lot. I, I I liked all of those matches, and the strong machine, the strong machines one was just okay. But even that had a, you know, that was that was good enough. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting because I think Shimizu is someone that, like, when you counting stats, Shimizu is. But like my personal feel just does not put him over that line. Person, I, I think I'd I'd go Doi Susumu. Yamato Shimizu at this point. I, I I would give Shimizu a nose over Shima, but I could be talked out of that if anybody in the Discord wants to make an argument for Shima over Shimizu. All right, so my five is Doi, Susumu. I'm sorry, CK1 and Spike Mohicans are enough to make you number three in my book. Uh, then, I keep on forgetting about Spike Mohicans. God damn, they were so good. Yeah, then I think, it ha- I think Shimizu might end up being four. It's either him or Yamato. I know Yamato four, Shimizu five. I'm happy yeah, with y- that. Y- y- Yamato's got that. That's. Yeah, I mean, Yama. some of those, some of those Yama Hulk matches were match of the year 
level. And I, you know, I, I don't think either of us look at that as a legendary tag team, but they have some legendary matches. Oh, no, absolutely, for sure. And it just was something that, like, on a show like this, having just these phenomenal tag team matches, because, like, Yoshida, Yoshida deserves the credit. I know that it's something that there is the Cyber Kong singles match thing, but in tag team matches, really, with Yoshida does not let you down very often. No, I look at one point he had such tremendous go away heat with me during that post Cyber Kong Takashi Yoshida heel run. But I, I love him currently. I mean, I, I really think he's like a marvelous pro wrestler at getting the job that he needs to get done done. And this was just another example of, you know, in a match with four guys, he's going to be the fourth most talented, but he is the one that has just a, a, an emotional gravitas to his work that is unique to him. And it's really, really enjoyable in these big matches when it all comes to fruition. Absolutely. So that was uh, Gate of Origin. It was on the 18th. It'll be up on the network until Christmas Day. So you can watch this case immediately right before the final gate of which we have a full card for. Would you like me to read through the card and we'll reflect on it i've got 15 to 20 minutes to preview it let's hurry all right so opening match natural vibes versus m3k entire m3k mochi susumu kanda jr uh kz strong machine j jason lee and jackie funky kame for vibes and uh, we have class of 2022 yoshiki kato and kaito nagano versus yoshida and problem dragon open the brave gate championship this is hio versus minorita Lek Fuwarun Mask 8-Man Tag Team Match, Ultimo Dragon, Dragon Kid, Dragon Daya, Bokudomo Dragon. It's Quadruple Dragon's case, and it's going up against Don Fuji, Ginky, Eita, and Ho-Ho Loon. Get that payday, Ho-Ho. Uh, sp- special singles match, Kota Minora versus Diamante. They open the Triangle Gate uh, Championship match, Kai, Shun Skywalker, Ishin defending against Doi, Kondo, and Toru Owashi. Lek Gichiokun presents Shingo Takagi is back tag team match. Shingo Takagi of New Japan Pro Wrestling with BB Hulk versus Yamato and Madoka Kakuda in the main event. Yuki Yoshioka defending against Ben K. All right, let's start at the opener and let's uh no, actually, well, yeah, let's start at the opener. Let's rifle through these uh these matches. I apologize to the listeners for cutting this a little bit short, uh, but uh the holiday season is upon us and I have stuff to do. But Let's start with the opener and kind of rifle through some thoughts here. Yeah, so no Twin Gate match. And it makes sense now that uh, they're doing Bokudamo here. But it, it, it's in, this is an interesting thing that like you have like the whole vibes compliment. You have the M3K compliment. I mean, other than, you know, Junior maybe scoring a win here or getting beat up in a way, I, I naturally kind of my eyes go to Kanda eating a fall here. Yeah, no, I, I, I'm looking forward to this. I, I really hope this opener gets time. I, I want it to be a showcase for, you know, the Jason, Jackie, and Strong Machine J contingent of natural vibes. And I obviously, I, I'm invested in whatever M3K does. So I think there's a lot to like in this match. I, I hope this is more of a 12-minute opener rather than a 6-minute opener, if you know what I mean. Yeah, give this thing some time to breathe. Uh, Kato and Nagano versus High in Assistance. Uh be fun to see Kato facing off against Yoshida. That's kind of the, the thing I'm looking forward to and seeing what uh, Nagano pops out for out of his hat this day. It's a really interesting match just because Kato has looked so strong that it makes me like I, I this is one of those deals where if if 
DraftKings took Drangate bets, we would all be out of money on putting money on Kato here to pin Problem Dragon because it would be so enticing. The odds would be uh, so strong. Nagano is going to lose. He's going to get flattened by Yoshida. But I am so curious to see just how much they give Kato in this match because you're right. He's going to square off against Yoshida and he's probably going to try to put Yoshida in a torture rack. And if he gets him up, I'm going to lose my mind. So I would set one, a uh, 3,000 to one, which is exactly the kind of thing that I would put a dollar down on and just freak out and be like, come on, Kato, do it. It's not impossible, right? No, it's not impossible. It's very, very unlikely, but it's not, it's not impossible. Uh, it's Problem Dragon. He could pin Problem Dragon. I mean, you could I pin. could pin Problem Dragon. <laughs> I could pin Problem Dragon. <laughs> huh. That's yeah. boy, that that is gonna sit with me for the next few days. <laughs> Hyo versus Minorita. I know that you're thinking the uh, title switch. I I feel like they're making Minorita look strong so that Hyo can beat him and move on still. The the thing is with that, now you're exactly right in the sense like, hey, you know, Minorita's pick, picked up quite a few falls in the build to this, which is uh something that I, I would look at it as being a little bit concerning in terms of, you know, who was actually, or in terms of him actually winning this match. But, you know, he always had a healthy reign with this title. Uh, if, if this will be his fifth defense, you know, he's beaten SB Kento, he's beaten Jason, he's beaten Dragon Kid, he's beaten uh, Tiran Shisa. I don't have an immediate next direction for him. And I think this match is more about Minorito winning than it is about Hyo losing. Hyo has been a very solid champion. I've enjoyed his reign. But for all of the roses that have been thrown at Minorita, I think he gets that gold rose here. I think he gets his championship belt. It really is almost a thank you for the work that he's done over the first year of his career. Yeah, it's something where I can't talk myself out of thinking that Minorita has this is the most likely title switch on the show, I would say. Like, even though, like, we'll have a discussion about Yoshioka and Ben in a couple minutes. I just, like, it just, it is something that I feel like that for Hio, like, maybe Minorita can outsmart Hio. That, I, I completely think that that's very likely. Minorita outsmarts Hio finally. Hio's, the big brain is defeated and Minorita wins. Like, I buy that a lot. Yeah, that, that feels like it's a, it's a good way for Hio to lose. Because the problem is that if he wins... UT's out, so they can't do that. I mean, he could be back by February or March, but UT's out for the time being. They haven't done Hyo versus Jackie, which is, you know, very doable. But then you start looking down the card, and it's like, okay, well, well, who else does he have? Because Estrella's not coming back anytime soon, and SV Kento's going to be gone at least for, you know, the first part of January, and, you know, Maria's hurt, and it's not like Tamanaga's going to get a title shot. It's kind of a small list of Bravegate challengers unless they want to move into the Kaito Nagano business, which for as much as I like him, I don't see that being the next move. Minorita freshens that belt up a little bit. Yeah, no, and as you said, I think it's something that, you know, given that you could say, and I think that you'd be right in saying this, that Minorita saved gold class. So, oh, my, yeah. oh, I mean, I, I wouldn't want to know if that unit was just Menorah, Ishida, and Doi at the start of the year. I would not want to know the ruins that they would have just spread throughout this entire promotion. I mean, Minorita, it, it is, it, it's insane that he's a rookie given the weight that was put on his shoulders this year. Absolutely. Uh, the quadruple dragon match, they found a fun way to do a touch football match. Yeah, this is fun. Fuck you if you don't like this. 
Yep, absolutely. Uh, Minora versus Diamante. Uh, special singles matches on Big Show's case. Will this one miss or this one continue with the trend of four stars or better? Look, I think this has to hit. I, I think yeah. Minora Minora's hungry for a big match. He has been so out of the picture since Kobe World, which I agree with, which thank God they did. But he has been so out of the picture since Kobe World. This is where they start to heat him up. Now, of course, you could go with Minora getting the win, get him hot into the new year, and kind of build on that. But they've they've already done Minora versus Yoshioka. I keep on telling you people, Diamante versus Yoshioka is a real possibility for a Dreamgate match. We spoke to somebody that that is going to shows in Japan right now a few months ago, and and we kind of checked in. We're like, hey, what's the, what's the deal with Diamante? Do people care about Diamante? And the result was absolutely yes. He could fill a small building Dreamgate challenge. They've got two Cork and Hall shows coming up in January. Obviously, as we've pointed out a number of times, there's the trend of Dreamgate challenge uh, of Yoshioka wanting to wrestle Dreamgate guys. But he's running out of Dreamgate, guys. Diamante versus Yoshioka is a real possibility in one of those January Corkin shows. The Mexican National Anthem playing in Corkin Hall. Oh, I mean, my who... God. I'm going four and three quarters off that alone. Yeah, no. that This has the uh, match of the year contender watches out case on this one. Really? I... Oh, yeah. With Diamante. With the kind of stuff that Diamante does. With Minora, when we know Minora turns it on. This is something where, like I joked and said, the like the four is floor, or the floor is four. The floor is probably really four and a half. Like, okay, so this ends up being a four and a quarter star match. Won't you be disappointed? That that's kind of that that's where my line is at. I, I'm kind of expecting four and a quarter. I think four would disappoint me. Four and a half would thrill me. I have no comment for four and a half thrilling you right there. Uh, Triangle Gate Championship match. <laughs> I, 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 the last caffeine I had was at 11 a.m. today. Kay. Oh, I, I, I hit a wall about an hour ago. I'm powering yep. through, my friend. Yeah, yeah. We only got three more matches. Uh, Zebrats versus T2P. Uh, clear Zebrats defense here. Uh, but what if Doi really wants to become the trio's belt collector? That's an interesting possibility that I really can't entirely eliminate. I mean, it's, it's Doi as a freelancer, but it's still Doi. Like, you can't cross that out of your mind i think this match is going to be great don't don't let the haters and the losers and the people that aren't plugged into dragon gate ruin the fun of this match this is zebrats a year into their unit basically a phenomenal heel unit all year this is zebrats versus a t2p team and that is fucking fun don't let people ruin the fun and continuing that fun case, Shingo and Hulk reuniting in this semi-main event against, against Yamato Madoka Kakuda. Of course, like Shingo, all the attention goes towards Shingo now. And if you look at the poster, yep, makes sense. Shingo's front and center there, calling him the dragon too. Five years, or it will be four years, two months since Shingo Takagi has wrestled in Dragon Gate. I was asked a question that I wanted to, or th this was like posed in the Discord. I expect to hear shingo's uh uh dragon gate theme singlet or no i'm hoping for a singlet but i think realistically it's a no yeah like, like that's kind of where i'm at like it would be very funny and especially if he chooses the yellow berserk one like like pick the one that like 
only wore for two months and was the best gear he had and he oh changed my God, it. it was so it was so cool <laughs> it was so good just like bright yellow so unfortunately the result here is shingo pinning kakuta right i mean like it's just the question of if it's going to be made in japan or how many pumping bombers and i would say he should eat like five of them i don't think i like that but i think it's what has to happen i would so much rather kakuta pin hulk but i just i don't see that happening yeah uh shingo is different from from ninja mac and shingo will get his fall clean i I think that's gonna be excellent i'll say that much again uh, there's no safer bet for a great match right now than madoka kakuta and it's shingo fucking takagi i mean this is this is awesome yeah, like, I don't have a lot to say to preview it because it's Shingo fucking Takagi back in Dragon Gate. Like, and, if you know... It's, you know, it's, it's... I mean, you have... you there, There's there's no need to break this down, but it's, you know, it's Shingo and Hulk teaming. It's Shingo versus Yamato. It's Shingo versus Kakuta, who, you know, was... Uh, I believe... I saw a tweet from a Japanese account a few days ago that I believe was saying Kakuta entered the dojo in January of 2019 so that he's he had never crossed paths with Shingo period it might have been January of 2018 I don't remember but nevertheless they they've obviously never wrestled before him Kakuta Kakuta's only wrestled in pandemic crowds he debuted in an empty arena so there there's just a million things to like about this match but at the end of the day it's Shingo Takagi and that is what you should be excited about and that leads us to the open the dream gate championship match Yuki Yoshioka making Yet another defense against a past champion, but it's Binkei, the one who called his own shot, the one who gave a special gift to him, who will not forget that uh, Fujiheya was a thing, and I appreciate that. But Ben, I, I, but Case, I know you're a little bit higher on Ben's chances here, so give me the pitch for Ben winning this match. I'm at, I'm at like 75-25, and I think the pitch is that Binkei is just more over than he's ever been in his entire career. Again, this match was set up on the same show that Shingo returned, and the Shingo pop was bigger, but not by much. Ben, th- this chicky chicky Ben K thing is such a phenomenon, and I, I said this on the show last week, but you know, for it's funny because for most of Ben K's career, I think it's the English speaking audience that has been more into him than the, the Japanese audience. And, oh, much so, much and, so. And, and I just think there's there's people that don't realize how over this current bin thing is and and you and i have spoken to people that that are in the building at these shows who are going like yeah this is what this is this is the thing right now this is what everybody wants to be a part of and i i think it's incredible i i really can't rule him out of winning i don't think he's the favorite i think yoshioka will retain but if ben hits him with a spear and pins him I'll put it this way. It would be far less shocking than Kai pinning Yamato last year and about a hundred times less shocking than Doi pinning Ben three years ago. Yeah, that's basically where I'm at. Uh, You know, one in four, 25%. That seems pretty fair. Uh, I like your argument about like he is the hottest hand and honestly, probably the hottest hand the company has had since, uh, since before COVID. Like it, it, it just it, for as much as they want to do long term with Yoshioka, and I support all those long term endeavors, and I get it, and I think he's the guy, and he's showing at the box office that he's the guy. There is something about this time and this place with Ben K and all of the gold chains and all of the charisma, adding the Dreamgate belt to his arsenal. It just 
it would just work. They they are in a really interesting place here where they could get short-term gains or long-term gains. I hope they side with long-term, but I don't think Ben K is the wrong move if that's the direction they go in. No, I'm with you on that. I I still think that like you're you're saying this out up for Yoshioka and you have the the business reasons why not to take the belt off Yoshioka and I think at the end of the day they say the course but it would be interesting to live in a chicky chicky world and oh. god, god he better be like just the, the cameras better have to like reset their white balancing he's that sparkling on the 25th <laughs> he's, he's un- the, the photos of him and Minora and Minorita on Instagram just those three together it is surreal to look at just a bunch of deviants it's amazing i really hope no matter what happens here i hope they continue to run with this ben k minorita tag team i'm not done with them in two versus two matches no neither am i but that will be uh, uh the uh, final gate it's on the 25th it's on christmas day uh five o'clock p.m local time in japan 3 a.m east coast 12 a.m west coast uh eight grinch mean time uh, we'll be back sometime next week we got to figure that out for both this and the last show of the year for Dragon Gate will be on the 27th, uh, the traditional Kobe hometown farewell. So 2022 is almost over, Kay, so that you know what that means. List. Yep, lists. And we will. We have a bit of a break, so probably not next week with final games of this, but during the uh, the, the Christmas break for Dragon yes. Gate, we will be, we'll be back with our best of 2022 episode. Yes, we will. And I think that's going to do it unless you have anything else, bud. No, I got to run. Yep, that will do it. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Thanks for joining us all year. And hopefully, however you practice, whatever holiday you celebrate, hope you have a nice holidays. But we'll be back with you sometime next week to talk to you about Final Gate and the farewell from Kobe. Take care, everyone. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Hello everyone, my name is Taylor. And I'm Kelly. And we are the co-hosts of Jumping Bomb Audio, the podcast all about Joshi Pro Wrestling here on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. Every other Monday, we are with you talking about the biggest news in Joshi along with show reviews, previews, and much, much more. So if you're new to Joshi or you've been a longtime fan, this is the show for you. We've got something for everyone here. So check us out, Jumping Bomb Audio.